Chapter 31 of Mabel Ross, The Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 31 Will You Walk Into My Parlor, etc. Mabel had just turned into Twelfth Street when, to her surprise, she was joined by young Ralph Barrett. I tried to see you before you got to Mrs. Haig's, were the words with which he followed his salutation. After you left my mother, she regretted she had not brought your interview to a different conclusion. She had not, in fact, taken time to reflect upon the true circumstances of the case. Here Mr. Ralph paused, glanced at his companion, who had stopped from the moment of his joining her, then resumed in these words, "'It is a delicate matter, Miss Ross, that I have undertaken for my mother, but it must be arranged agreeably to her wish.' She has desired me to beg your acceptance of this, as a mark of her friendship. And he proffered Mabel a bank bill. The young girl drew back a flush on her cheek. I cannot think of it, she said. I called on Mrs. Barrett with no such object. She perfectly understood my wish was to procure work. Of course, certainly, it is clearly understood, rejoined the young gentleman, recovering himself from visible embarrassment. Yet still, my mother regretted having let you go without begging your acceptance of this. You will hurt her much by refusing. Our relative positions, you know, that is, my mother feels that she really owes to your family a debt which twenty times this wouldn't cover. It would not indeed, thought Mabel, and she paused before again speaking. In that pause, she saw before her the little Lily and all the trials of that home to which she was returning. She thought of the rent day with the rent not ready, and the dreaded visit of the unfeeling Brumbley. I am obliged to Mrs. Barrett, she then said. I will return and accept this gift at her own hands. She expressly desired you would not do so, rejoined young Ralph. My mother is peculiar in this respect, and then to be thanked, you know, for such a trifle, and under the circumstances. Then I will write and thank her, said Mabel. That would be more agreeable to us both. Certainly. If you will entrust your note to me, I will call any time you say tomorrow. You live. How had Mabel forgotten the watch? for, for the time, she had forgotten it. How had she forgotten the uneasy thoughts which made her breathe freely only after she had quite gotten from the presence of young Barrett, the afternoon of her visit to the pawnbroker's? Upon reflection, I cannot accept your mother's offer, Mr. Barrett, she said in a particularly firm tone. She is kind, you may thank her for me, but I shall stand by my first thought. Only to receive remuneration for services. Adding a hasty good morning, Mabel was hurrying off, when Mr. Ralph followed a step to say, At least give me your direction, Miss Ross, in case my mother should desire to write to you. There is no occasion, Mabel coldly replied, and very determinedly walked on. With an uneasy thought that young Barrett might endeavor to discover her home by following her, she took a circuitous route, though anxious to be back with her little charge. She had, 
taking altogether a fair report to give at home of her morning's efforts, since the promise of work from Mrs. Higgs made up for the disappointment of her visit to Mrs. Barrett. Great was the surprise of little Lily when her sister produced from under her cloak the jar of peaches sent by the kind Mrs. Higgs. "'How kind and good of her!' she said, as, having explained concerning it, Mabel brought it to the bed. "'Beautiful, clear peaches! What a nice lady! A good angel, Mabel!' "'Yes, my darling, kind and good.' "'The other good angel, the visitor to the first-floor lodger, "'maybe won't come any more,' said Lily sorrowfully. "'Hilda's been down to the first-floor two or three times this morning, "'and Mrs. Moppet's away, all shut up still. "'So Hilda thinks maybe she's gone for good.' But we mustn't be concerned till we know, Lily. Besides, even if Mrs. Moppet is gone, her visitor may come to us. You know, she said she would come, and I believe she meant to keep her word. Meanwhile, Hilda was putting on her hat and shawl to go proffer her services to Mr. Pinch of Lake Street. She was in a most hopeful mood, and could see nothing but the most favorable termination of her new undertaking— Mabel strove to temper her expectations with some of her own moderation, but Hilda was not to be impressed. "'I'm going to hope for the very best,' she said, as she kissed first Mabel, then Lily, at parting. "'And you'll see what fine reports I'll bring you from Pinch and Companies. Cheer up, both of you, for it's now come my turn to take the burden, and I don't care how heavy it be, so I only get good pay at Mr. Pinch's.' When she returned, it was in no less good spirits than she had gone forth. She was to go on Monday morning to begin working for her new employer. Mr. Pinch couldn't say exactly yet what would be her weekly wages, but she was quite sure, from his manner altogether, and from the number of girls who were ready to go to him, that it would be something well worth having. Mary Griffin had said between four and six dollars. She believed herself that it would be every shilling of the six. She wasn't going to be a bit frightened about Monday and old Brumbley. They'd just let him alone, and if, finding they didn't come to him, he came to them, they could face him boldly with such work promised as that of Mrs. Hague's and pension companies. Certainly their prospects were appearing brighter and more certain than they had done that morning, and Mabel was not one to be backward in hopefulness. Little Lily was doing more comfortably too, and that was enough in itself to cheer her. The Sabbath morning broke on them clear, though very cold, and Lily still continuing better, it was a day enjoyed by the little family as few had lately been. End of chapter 31